This is the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Once again, here's Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. 7.35 on this drizzly Sunday evening here in Chicago. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. And joining me on the phone is an old, old friend and colleague, Doug Finke. Doug is the State House Correspondent for the State Journal Register of Springfield. Doug, good evening. Good evening to you, Rick. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm old, old friend. Yes, but, uh, you count as old, old friend. Let's face okay. it. Okay. Well, okay. or is it the friend part you want to dispute? Uh, <laughs> we'll debate that later. Okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I wanted to have Doug on the show because, as we've been talking about earlier in the program, the fact that the Illinois legislature is returning uh, to work on Wednesday, a special session that is supposed to be focused on uh, coronavirus-related actions as well as a state budget. And as uh, Representative Mike Zaleski said earlier on the program, uh, the goal is to wrap it all up in three days. That's my understanding from talking to people. The absolute last thing that they want to do is uh, have to come back Um uh, in another week because it couldn't finish things up. So uh, I suspect we are going to see a uh, uh, very focused um, session, and I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of uh, tolerance for um, oh, playing politics, for lack of a better term. Uh, I, I think they'll uh, try to the leaders will try to keep that to a minimum as much as they can, and just focus on getting the things done that absolutely have to get done, and then they can get out of town again. I think that might be the goal. But let's face it, uh, this is is a chance for uh, members to vent, a chance for members to grandstand. Uh, it, It provides them a venue that is larger than just speaking to their local constituents on facebook and i know that the you know there probably isn't going to be a lot of tolerance for it but i think there is every potential for this to get disruptive at points i oh i i uh, i agree that the potential is there for that and i think that uh uh, there are people who will uh, certainly try to do that. Uh, I think we even know who they are. Uh, yes, <laughs> we've we've already uh, heard uh, uh, cases of some uh, Republican members, some of the conservative members, who say that they're not going to wear a mask uh, at the uh, 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 the session, even though that's a requirement. Uh, uh, that the speaker put out uh, this lengthy memo about uh, the way to conduct yourselves at the uh, during the House session, and one of those was you will wear a mask. So we'll see uh, where that ends up. If uh, I mean, that could be right out of the gate, uh, uh, a controversy about whether those people are admitted to the, uh, the chamber in the convention center here in town. Yeah, maybe, Doug, why don't you just explain how this is not going to be your normal one-stop shopping at the state capitol building this time no it's not uh the senate still plans to meet uh, in the senate chamber although uh not everyone at once because that would violate uh, uh the prohibition against large crowds 
The uh, House is going to move to the uh, convention center here in Springfield. It, uh, uh, it's a smaller venue than uh, a lot of your listeners to or are used to in Chicago. I'd, but, uh, I'd, I'd say it's on par with the Wind Trust uh, Arena. Okay, about that. So uh, roughly about ten thousand seat. That, that sounds about right. Yeah, and the the uh, House members are going to be spread out on the main floor. Um, and that way they'll be able to maintain distancing. Uh, a limited number of media is going to be admitted, and they will be on a mezzanine level, and then a limited uh, number of, of the public is going to be allowed in, and they are also going to be up in one of the upper uh, levels of the uh, convention center. So there's not going to be a direct interaction between the press and the uh, lawmakers, which is a normal occurrence when both the House and Senate are in their chambers and conducting business. And I kind of like the idea. I'm picturing in my mind 170 or 100, 118 House members, each at a six-foot table, uh, and with a mask over their face. Yeah, well, uh, at least some of them will. Uh, right. <laughs> according to these people said they won't, but yeah, each one is going to have a, a, a table to be at. Uh, just conducting the business is going to be very interesting because uh, when they vote on bills now, they do it electronically. They have uh, buttons on their desks. They just push that, and the vote is recorded in a, a you know very short period of time. Electronic now, roll call. For an electronic roll call, they're not going to have access to this uh, in the, the convention center, so they're going to have to call a roll call and record people as they vote individually. Uh, and even in the Senate, uh, as I understand it, they're going to, uh, again, they're not going to all be in the chamber at one time, so if they vote on a bill, they're going to have to do it in phases where the uh, uh, Different people come in and, and vote, or they'll relay the, their votes to someone on the floor to record. Uh, it, it is going to be a very interesting process. Yeah, and I think a lengthy one, and just that's for the technical issues. And, yeah, right. And then you've got, uh, I mean, the fact of trying to wrap everything up. Uh, when, for a lot of people, uh, the information is going to be new. Uh, it's going to be hitting them for the first time on budget issues and cuts and those kinds of things. Obviously, the budget being, you know, a matter of great speculation. Uh, right, and uh, we don't know um, for sure what uh, areas of spending are going to be affected uh, there is discussion about giving the governor a lot more latitude to move money around uh, than he normally has, uh, just because of the uncertainty of uh, what's happening now. Uh, one thing is certain is that uh, the state is going to have less revenue to work with in the upcoming budget year than they had anticipated. And so that is going to necessitate uh, cuts, uh, you would assume, in some areas. And it, uh, at the same time, there's going to be tremendous pressure on other parts of the budget to provide assistance for people who are uh, hurting economically from uh, this virus. So it's going to be a, an interesting balancing act, and we haven't seen, uh, at least I haven't seen any details yet of how they're going to carry this off. 
No, I mean, questions about, you know, we had the last report of what the lost revenues were from the governor, also from uh, the government uh, accounting office on, on just how far revenues are fallen, and they're, they're still in free fall. And we'll, we'll, we'll be talking more about that with Doug Finke, State House correspondent from the State Journal Register in Springfield. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. This is your Sunday spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline Studio, and on the phone with me is Doug Finke, State House correspondent for the State Journal Register of Springfield. We're talking about the upcoming resumption of legislative activities in Springfield, and um, you know, Doug. Obviously, Democrats have supermajorities in both chambers, so ostensibly. They can kind of slam dunk whatever they want. That's that's provided that they can agree on it. And as we've seen in the past with budget issues, particularly uh, with the uncertainty that surrounds this budget and the cuts, the fact that cuts are going to have to be made, I'm not so sure that it's just a slam dunk anymore. No, it isn't. Um and even going back further than that, uh, the, the directive from the Speaker's office, for example, uh, about the conduct of the session uh, advised that all members should be tested for the coronavirus before they come here. Um, so we hope nobody would test positive, but if they did, then uh, that would cut down uh, some attendance. There was also some advice about uh if people have uh, medical conditions that would make uh, uh, them uh, a bad risk uh, for contracting this, uh, uh, they might stay away. So we don't even know for sure uh, how many people will be uh, attending the session. Uh, but beyond that, you're absolutely right. Uh, there have been divisions within the Democratic Party on uh, budget issues in the past. Uh, some people uh, like to... Uh, see enhanced programs and spending on programs to help people. Others um, want to uh, say that, uh, you know, these are extraordinary times. We don't have the money to work with, so uh, hang on to what we've got so far and don't even consider the idea of expanding things. Um, there's also a, a strictly a political matter that uh, if there are vulnerable um, members in the House or Senate, the uh, Democrats that uh, are up for election this year, you don't necessarily want to uh, put them uh, casting a vote for a budget that is going to be uh, containing cuts and may not play well uh, with a lot of their constituents. So if you can spare them from doing that, that would be uh, preferable. But uh, uh, in the end, if uh, the Republicans decide to withhold their votes and some of the issues that are going to be coming up, some of the Democrats may be in a very uncomfortable position of having to support things that wouldn't normally like to. Well, and one thing comes to mind, too, is that uh, since we embarked, and this this actually goes back to uh, Bruce Rauner as governor, was the uh, educational changes in, in the school aid formula and the promise and basically was supposed to be a commitment of $350 million new in education funding every year. And I'm, I have to wonder where, where that is. 
That, that's an excellent question, and I have not uh, uh, heard any details from people about uh, whether they're going to be able to uh, continue that commitment in the new budget. Uh, I did uh, speak recently with uh, Senator Andy Menard, who was one of the architects of that uh, uh, whole enhanced uh, school funding plan, and uh, he was one who uh, raised the prospect of focusing on keeping what, what you've got, you know, uh, continue the progress that you've achieved so far, don't backpedal on things, but maybe there isn't uh, room right now to go ahead and, uh, uh, again, increase spending in, in various areas. And, of course, being an election year, that's something everybody would love to do. Oh, absolutely. Um, and now, and, and actually, you had something to ride on by the fact that education funding had been increased substantially each year. And now you have to say, you know, now you now you're have to, a legitimate excuse, grant you, grant you. But it's, nevertheless, you would have liked to have used that as something to campaign on. Yeah, um Unfortunately, reality uh, rears its ugly head sometimes, and uh, even in spring, you, even in Springfield, it does. Uh, yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you can say that we've made a couple of years of progress. Okay, we have to pause maybe for one year, but we can resume that uh, when the uh, economy starts showing signs of recovering. And uh, that's another thing about the budget. Um, there was. Some initial speculation uh, that the legislature would pass uh, like a half-year budget or something like right. that. That has been, from the, at least again from the people that I've talked to, uh, that has been roundly rejected. They're going to pass a full-year budget, but with the understanding that uh, they're going to have to come back and make adjustments to it, and they may be some significant adjustments, but. Uh, you don't know exactly how much money is going to be coming from the federal government. You don't know for sure how badly state revenues are going to be hurt by all this. We have estimates that uh, are pretty ugly, but, uh, you know, when the reality is there, it could be better, it could be worse. But uh, nonetheless, uh, a full-year budget, but then coming back when things uh, get to some sense of normalcy and make adjustments to uh, – uh, reflect any changes that have come uh, in the intervening months. Well, and that's that's why I found it interesting uh, is last week when the governor talked about wanting a a state specific kind of relief program for residents and businesses, and then when the question came to be, well, where's that money going to come from? And the answer was, well, it's it's dependent on federal funding. And of course, you talk about the big question mark that's out there is federal funding. And just and, and and quite frankly, I I encourage people to kind of overlook the uh, sometimes daily, sometimes not back and forth rhetoric between the president of the United States and the Democratic governor of the state of Illinois, because it's not moving the ball either way here. Uh, the bottom line is it would be a comprehensive federal package done by Congress, and it's not going to be hung up by the a rhetorical battle between these two. No, and uh, but uh, we don't. Uh, not only do we not know the amount of any additional federal uh, dollars that'll be coming, but we don't know when they would be coming. And uh, there Cer- seems to be cer- some cer- certainly not before this Friday. <laughs> no, uh, uh, nobody moves that quickly, and, uh, and uh, so 
uh, we're going to have to pass a budget and uh, continue operations as best we can. And again, most likely with giving the governor uh, some increased flexibility to to move money around and and uh, shore up places where uh, additional. Uh, uh, money is needed, so the legislature doesn't have to come back and approve every little uh, change. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll again see how much political support there is for that. There certainly is going to be uh, are going to be people who are reluctant to give the governor that much power. But uh, uh, again, these are extraordinary times, and that you're going to have to give him some extraordinary powers. I think for the time being. So tomorrow the. Uh, Republican leaders of the House and Senate are scheduled to have a press conference saying that as part of these session activities that uh, the legislature should remove the proposed constitutional amendment for a graduated rate income tax from the November 3rd ballot. Um, uh, you want to guess how that's going to turn out? I, I think we can already guess that, yes. But- and, and it's interesting because one of the uh, uh, issues that's on the uh, special session proclamation is the uh, uh, this thing that is mailed out to voters before the election explaining the pros and cons of this uh, constitutional amendment. Uh, the legislature has to approve that language, and that's one of the things that they're planning to do this upcoming week. So um, I I don't think they're planning on uh, repealing or rescinding that uh, amendment for the November election. Not not after they've got all that language written. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, you put that much effort into something, you don't want to just scrap it. Yeah, actually, I was curious. I didn't bother to look to see who was assigned the duties for writing the pros and cons of this. Uh, But, I mean, I, I do think... There might be, and I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, where I thought that there, because of the uncertainty of the coronavirus and the environment and the economy, that that could add another kind of element towards people considering whether to vote on this. And certainly, maybe perhaps it favored the opponents of this because of, again, you know, the uncertainty and, and, and the, the fear that this could creep down into lower incomes. Yeah, I think there's no question that uh, uh, depending on what the situation is as, uh, as Election Day nears, that the uh, just the background of this coronavirus is going to weigh on people's minds and uh, steer them in how they vote on this thing. Uh, but it's going to be on the ballot. The, the, uh, the Democrats are not going to vote to take that off at this point. I, I don't can't see that happening. No, not 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 at all. But what one thing I am curious that's also on the agenda is uh, uh, voting. Well, it's not specifically worded that way, but I assume it's safe to say voting by mail. Right. There's an item in here about uh, uh, issues pertaining to the 2020 general election and state board of elections. That is pretty much taken to mean some expansion of voting by mail. Uh, that's been discussed. Um, in a number of locales, and uh, certainly here in Illinois, is a uh, something to do uh, within the context of the uh, uh, sparing people having to show up to polls and, and avoid spreading the coronavirus even more. Uh, we know how the president feels about that, but uh, I don't think his opinions will 
uh, necessarily sway the General Assembly on that issue. No, but certainly, uh, in talking to uh, House Republican Leader Jim Durkin, he sees no need to do anything expansive that actually Illinois' uh, vote-by-mail application is it's, it's pretty it's a pretty liberal uh, interpretation. You don't need to, you don't need as you did in the old days to say, "Well, I'm going to be out of town" or anything like that. It's no fault. It's just you file for an absentee ballot and you get one, which is not the case in in all states. No, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not. And that is correct. Uh, the, Illinois has a, a pretty generous uh, system. I. Uh, again, I'm not sure that uh, that is going to uh, dissuade people from attempting to uh, uh, pass something to uh, further enhance it, uh, just because that's uh, uh, you know on their agenda. So right, and 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 really, I think it comes down to one is mailing everybody, every registered voter, an absentee ballot request, mail-in ballot request form, versus mailing everybody a full ballot to fill out with postage paid on both and uh it's a, it, I, I think as i recall it's a 40 million dollar proposition to mail a ballot a full ballot out to everybody that sounds about right but i i wouldn't want to stake my life on it so well it probably cost extra in chicago because you got all the judges too so well there you go <laughs> doug doug finke statehouse correspondent for the state journal register of springfield thank you so much for uh, helping us this evening try to navigate through springfield and good luck next week well stay uh stay safe rick <laughs> we will all try to do that well, that's our show. I want to thank our guest, Sam Toya, president and CEO of the Illinois Restaurant Association, Democratic State Representative Michael Zaleski, Democrat from Riverside and chair of the Illinois House Revenue Committee, Rebecca Shee from the American Business Immigration Coalition, the Illinois State Treasurer, Michael Frerichs. You've been listening to The Sunday Spin. Thank you so much. This is WGN. Chicago's very-